0: Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In this episode, we talk to Kelly Lloyd, who is a research fellow within the Leeds Institute of Health Sciences at the University of Leeds. We're going to discuss the paper her and her team have published in the BJGP titled... A factorial randomized trial investigating factors influencing GPs' willingness to prescribe aspirin for cancer preventative therapy in Lynch syndrome. So, thanks, Kelly, for joining me today. Tell us a bit more about Lynch syndrome and why this is an important area to do research in.
1: So, Lynch syndrome is an inherited condition caused by faulty mismatch repair genes, and it increases the lifetime risk of developing multiple cancers including colorectal cancer, which is actually one more common occurring cancers among people with Lynch syndrome. And this led on to research in the area about cancer prevention. So there are trials in this area that have found aspirin to be effective for reducing the risk of colorectal cancer. And there was quite a prominent trial in this area, the CAT2 trial that looked at aspirin at 600 milligrams Daily and found it to be effective compared to the placebo in the population of people with Lynch syndrome. So following this, these studies, um, NICE in 2020 we updated their colorectal cancer guidance with a recommendation to consider daily aspirin for at least two years reduce the risk of colorectal cancer in people with Lynch syndrome.
0: Okay. So in this study, you recruited GPs to a survey and looked at their understanding of Lynch syndrome and their willingness to prescribe aspirin in Lynch syndrome. So talk us through what you did.
1: Yes. So we conducted a two to the three randomised factorial trial. And exactly what we did was we recruited 672 GPs in England and Wales to an online survey. So in this online survey, all GPs were presented with a case study. And in this case study, a clinical geneticist had recommended this patient, this hypothetical patient with Lynch syndrome, who was 45 years old, they recommended them to take daily aspirin to reduce their risk of colorectal cancer. And the clinical geneticist is asking the participants, okay, the GP, to prescribe aspirin for this patient. The Clinical geneticist also makes clear that there are no contraindications for this patient using aspirin and not taking any other medication. But prescribing aspirin for this use is an off-label use of the medication. And what we did, so all GPs saw that information. And what we did was we randomized them to eight different versions of this patient case study. And across these eight different um, case studies, they presented with potentially the presence or absence of free informational components. And these mm-hmm. informational components were the NICE guidance, as I mentioned earlier, recommending to consider aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention in Lynch syndrome. The mm-hmm. trial results in this area from the large CAP2 trial study that investigated aspirin and found it effective for colorectal cancer risk reduction in this population. And we also, the third factor was information from the NICE patient decision aid that compared the benefits of aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention in this population with the potential harms. And so, for example, depending on the case study they could be randomised to, they could get none of this information. They could get just the NICE guidance. They could get all three of the information. So they're all different combinations. So the best thing about a factorial trial is that we can look at both the main effects and interactions of these informational components. And the sort of main outcome we were looking at after they'd been presented with these components was the GP's willingness to prescribe aspirin to this patient. Mm,
0: okay, so what affected the GP's willingness to prescribe aspirin for Lynch syndrome in these hypothetical situations?
1: So yes, at, despite our hypothesis that we felt that um, these informational components could influence GP's willingness to prescribe, as we have done previous work in this area conducting interviews with GPs, and looking into what the potential barriers were, we found actually in our study that there was no significant main effect or interactions of the three informational components on GPs willingness to prescribe. So as far as where with the main outcome, we didn't find anything, but we did exploratory analyses just where we presented GPs with 14 statements and they just had to state whether they agreed or not if these factors influence their decision to prescribe aspirin. And among the unwilling GPs, we found that the most important factors that they endorsed for influencing their decision not to prescribe aspirin was the harms of aspirin. The dose of aspirin they were being asked to prescribe because the dose of aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention is higher that might be seen for cardiovascular disease prevention. Typical doses in clinical practice are 150 to 300 milligrams daily. And another commonly endorsed barrier was the fact that prescribing aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention was an off-label use of medication. So these are all exploratory analyses. They weren't the main hypothesis, but they are potentially some barriers that might be influencing GPE's decision-making.
0: And just going back to that, so although it was an off-label use, That was the suggestion from the hypothetical clinical geneticist in the case.
1: Yes. So aspirin is used off-label for colorectal cancer prevention, but in all the case studies, the clinical geneticist had recommended aspirin for this patient. It's just that typically clinical geneticists wouldn't prescribe the medication. It's a new medication. So typically they, you know, aspirin isn't suitable for everybody. There are contraindications such as patients with a history of bleeding disorders and peptic ulcers. So typically, a clinical geneticist would say, we recommend this. Don't start any medication medications. you speak to your GP. And the GP can then check if they're suitable. And they will send a letter to the GP with this information. But that did lead to some interesting findings. It was only exploratory. It was an open text box. In our survey, we also allowed GPs to describe other factors that influence their decision And among GPs unwilling to prescribe, 16 GPs felt that they shouldn't be prescribing, that it's the role of the clinical geneticist. And 10 GPs felt that because aspirin could be purchased from the pharmacy, that they shouldn't be prescribing it and actually the patient should go straight to the pharmacy to purchase it.
0: So that's two interesting points, I think. And Mm -hmm. I know that there is some conflict sometimes in general practice when medications have been suggested by specialists. So for instance, a parallel would be in mental health prescribing, uh, where medications are perhaps initiated, but then carried on. And there's a question mark over who's responsible for the monitoring and dosage Mm -hmm. of different medicines. So I suppose that kind of um, highlights the tensions that can sometimes occur between specialist care and general practice in prescribing. But I think an important point that you raised there was actually aspirin is available to buy. So
1: Hmm. would the
0: clinical geneticist ever in these hypothetical cases suggest to the patient just go and buy the aspirin yourself and take it? Or was the recommendation always to speak to the GP?
1: The recommendation was always to speak to the GP. Yes, aspirin is commonly used for things like pain relief and you can purchase it from the pharmacy. But this is taken aspirin daily. And it is higher doses, around 150 to 300 milligrams. So it wouldn't really be recommended for a patient to go straight to pharmacy. They are typically recommending them to always speak to their GP. But I think that also brings up an interesting point where it is cheaper to buy it from the pharmacy for the patient, and it would be more um, expensive on prescription. And I do sympathise with that for the patient, but I still. There is important reasons people should be speaking to their GP to see if it's suitable for them, and past that, maybe decisions can be made about how they go about purchasing it. But it is really important to always speak to the GP first just to see if they're suitable for it. And um, for example, people who are also at older age may not be suitable for it. They can get increased risk of adverse effects from aspirin, so that's typically why this pathway exists. But it isn't a very well known pathway. It isn't. There's not, it's not written anywhere. It's not discussed, and we really felt that in this study, one of the conclusions was there's a really a need for local pathways setting out the responsibilities of community pharmacists, specialist clinicians such as geneticists and GPs, and setting out what the roles and responsibilities are for each of these people, so everyone is aware, and also that patients are aware.
0: And were there any other key findings that you wanted to highlight from this research?
1: Yes, um, we also—I don't think I've mentioned it yet. Um, but another secondary outcome that we looked at was, GP, after reviewing the case study, what GP's um, comfort was discussing the harms and benefits of aspirin was with the patient. We found similarly that um, there was no significant main effects or interactions of the free informational components on GP's comfort discussing aspirin. The vast majority of GPs were comfortable discussing aspirin with patients, so of GPs felt comfortable discussing aspirin with the patient. And actually, I forgot to mention earlier that the vast majority were comfortable prescribing. So 80% of GPs were comfortable prescribing aspirin for the patient. But there is still that um, nearly one in four GPs aren't comfortable discussing aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention with the patient. And one in five GPs um, would be unwilling to prescribe aspirin in this scenario. So there's still room for more targeted interventions and support for these unwilling GPs to help them ensure that they can have effective conversations with their patients with Lynch syndrome. And hopefully that can also help to ensure that all patients with Lynch syndrome have equal opportunity to use aspirin as preventative treatment.
0: And what do you think the take home message here is for those people working in primary care?
1: Good question. I think the type home message is hopefully it's raising awareness. One, uh, we found in our study that GPs who had prior awareness on the use of aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention before the survey were more significantly more comfortable discussing the harms and benefits of aspirin with the patient. So, firstly, this study and other things is just raising awareness of Lynch syndrome and aspirin for this purpose. And hopefully, as well, we've we want to sort of highlight what the concerns are of GPs because there are still concerns with prescribing aspirin off-label, the fact that they had concerns of aspirin irrespective of the benefits, and that really there is a need for this targeted support and training materials to help these GPs who are unwilling to prescribe. So we're calling for more targeted interventions and training in this area.
0: I suppose also um, in terms of just communication between potentially clinical geneticists and GPs, or, I don't know if you have a sense of mm. how common Lynch syndrome would be. So, would a GP mm. expect to you know about Lynch syndrome or have patients under their care with, with Lynch syndrome?
1: So, yes, um, there is a statistic I know about that off the top of my head. I think it is around that they estimate there's around 175,000 people with Lynch syndrome in the UK, but fewer than 5% are aware. And there are new guidance coming in, which is saying that. Anyone diagnosed with colorectal cancer and anyone diagnosed with endometrial cancer should now be tested for Lynch syndrome. So although we may not be seeing a lot of rates of Lynch syndrome in primary care, there is potential we're going to see a lot more in the future if these testing rates are going up. So it could be something much more common in the future.
0: Um, I wonder if you could just spend a few minutes uh, summarising the study, so the main findings, what you found and what you think the implications are for practice and research.
1: Um, The background to this area is that in 2020, NICE has updated their colorectal cancer guidance with a recommendation to consider daily aspirin for at least two years to reduce the risk of colorectal cancer in people with Lynch syndrome. So, prescribing uh, aspirin is likely to occur in primary care, but there may be barriers to prescribing. And in our study, we tried to look at if we could sort of alleviate potential barriers to prescribing by conducting a randomised two-to-the-three factorial trial. And we recruited six hundred and seventy-two GPs to an online study. And in this study, the GPs were randomised to different case studies across all the case studies. The clinical geneticists had recommended to the GP that they prescribe aspirin to this patient with Lynch syndrome for the purposes of colorectal cancer prevention. But across the different case studies, we manipulated the type of information they were shown and the how much information they were shown. And the three types of information we manipulated was the awareness of the nice guidance, the previous trial results in this area, and information from a nice patient decision aid that compared the Benefits of aspirin for colorectal cancer prevention, with the harms, and the main outcome we analysed was GPs' willingness to prescribe aspirin for this hypothetical patient with Lynch syndrome. And overall, we found that there were no significant main effects or interactions of these free informational components on GPs' willingness to prescribe. But we did find that reassuringly, eighty percent of GPs were willing to prescribe with only 20% rating that they were probably unwilling or definitely not willing to prescribe.
0: I think that's a great note to end on, so thank you very much, Kelly. Yeah, for taking- thank you. And thank you all very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. It's great to hear from Kelly about this research study and if you're interested in hearing more about current research in UK primary care then please do join us at the BJGP Research Conference which is being held on the 31st of March in London. The conference website is up and running at bjgp.org forward slash conference so if you'd like to register and join us there it would be great to meet you. All right thanks again and bye!